on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. We're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder proving to be legit. What a season this has already become. What's next for this young Thunder team? We'll talk about it all. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod and email the show LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show brought to you by FanDuel, we're diving into a strong close to 2023 where the Oklahoma City Thunder continue to show that they are legitimate as they sit with the second best record in the Western Conference. What happened against Brooklyn and that massive road win against Denver? A lot to get to today. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with winning any $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Go visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. What? A game it was, both in Denver and at home on New Year's Eve against the Brooklyn Nets. Taking you back to that Denver game because it couples so well with this game against Brooklyn. Going on the road to Denver to split up this homestand, Aaron Gordon was out. But other than that, the Nuggets were healthy. Although, again, Aaron Gordon is a big part of this. That entered a one-in-one season series that exits with the Thunder securing at least a split of the season series against Denver with one more to play in the Paycom Center. So far, road teams have won each game. But regardless, that was the Thunder's second win over a top three team in the West this week. The second win over the Nuggets on the road this month. And the Thunder just continued to show that they have it. And it is a repeatable formula and multiple formulas to win big games. When you look at this next five-game schedule, which now is complete, this was the hardest stretch for the Thunder so far this season, by far. You saw them take on the LA Clippers, who at the time were riding a nine-game winning streak, the longest in the NBA, and looked to be clicking. The Thunder dismantled the Clippers. They take on the Lakers, who dubbed that a must-win game, and the Thunder lost that game uh, you know, and the, and the Thunder just could not hit any open looks, and it still was a, was a finely competitive game. But then they go on a tear. On a back-to-back, they beat the Timberwolves, who had the best defense in the NBA at the time and is the best defense in the NBA currently, and they just embarrassed Minnesota. They shot 60% from the floor and just gutted them. Second night of a back-to-back, that energy did not lack. They blow out the New York Knicks, and then they head on the road, and we're here in Denver, which allows them to go 4-1 and one in that five-game stretch. And so let's talk about the formulas because you saw them on display in both games. Chet Holmgren scores the first 10 points of the game for the Thunder. He had 10 points before the nine-minute mark. 
And you saw Chet against Denver go two for two from three to start the game. And Jokic finally agrees to play high and pick him up at the at the perimeter. And he just Chet just drives right past Jokic for an easy floater over Jamal Murray, who has no chance of defending Chet. Chet can just easily rise up over guards and get clean looks. And then the Euro step through three defenders for the slam, a heavily contested three. You saw him do a little bit of everything offensively, scoring at all three levels, running the fast break as the facilitator, running the break to find Wiggins on a cut, which just showed immaculate IQ where he's running the floor in the fast break, rises up, defense commits to him and freezes because, of course, Chet's going to take that free throw line jumper. Nope. Behind you is Wiggins, who's now unattended at the rim for the easiest shot in basketball, a wide open layup. Ran the break with Giddy as well. Got Giddy a free uh, layup as well. Chet Holmgren had 17 points in nine minutes of action for him. He was able to get it done offensively, and you continue to see him get more comfortable as an offensive initiator and as an offensive force between his nifty footwork and all that he can do as a scorer, he complements this team so well. And then the shot blocking, I mean, blocking Jamal Murray's floater, just, just annihilating a mid range shot from Julian Strothard to start a two on one fast break where Casey Wallace finishes it. Chet Holmgren was all over that game in Denver. And yet again, you saw him make the adjustment game to game playing Jokic, the best center in the world. And so, Throughout this five-game stretch, you've seen it be SGA driving the bus and being the force for the Thunder. You've seen it be J-Dub closing out games impeccably strong and just blowing games out of the water to start the fourth quarter and getting the Thunder big wins. And you've seen it be Chet. Whenever no one else could score, Chet Holmgren took over a basketball game. And you've got three players, independent of age, independent of experience, independent of what should happen, you have three players who can take over basketball games. And whenever we've looked at basketball teams throughout NBA history that have had three guys who can take over games, and specifically three guys who can take over games and make their imprint felt on games on both ends of the floor, we've always crowned those type of teams contenders. And that's what it feels like Oklahoma City has. We can dance around it. We can talk about how they're not supposed to be here yet. We can talk about how they're too young. But something that stuck out after that Denver game, from Shea to Cason Wallace, the messaging was the need and the want to be uncommon. That's their goal is to be an uncommon team. And to this point, they've achieved that. Top five offense, top five defense. Doesn't matter that they're one of the youngest teams in basketball. They're also one of the best teams in basketball. And they've proven they can go win twice on the road in Denver. They can take care of big games, both home and road, and they can take care of matchups that they're supposed to win and the matchups that they're supposed to take care of. That's what good teams do. The Thunder are 22-9 and with a 9-4 and record on the road and a 13-5 and record at home. They've won eight of their last 10 games on a four-game winning streak. They have been able to play with anyone. And yes, the game changes in the postseason. And yes, typically you do need experience to 
survive in the postseason. But this team might be uncommon. This team might achieve their goal of being uncommon. Because when you put together three difference makers who can take over a game, and the complement of what you can call luxury players that fill this roster, it's hard to find a matchup where you head in and just say, you know what, there's no shot. It's hard to find that matchup where you go into the game and say, there's no way the Thunder win this matchup or win this game or win this series. And so that that Denver game showed a lot. Winning in Denver was huge regardless of who they had. And, and you go up and down the roster. Again, the bucket getters were there, Chet, you know, J-Dub, Shea. But like Lou Dort is a player who is now shooting the best of his career, but also matches up so well with these elite players like Jamal Murray can frustrate and can just erase at times these top players in this league, in this sport. And then you have an array of players off the bench who can step up from Isaiah Joe, the case in Wallace to Kendrick Williams. Jay will made an impact against Denver with that sequence where he draws a charge and gets a block all in one fell swoop. You know, this Thunder team, at this point in time, if you only look at what we know about this season, and you don't look at the data points of the history of the NBA and what young teams are supposed to do or not supposed to do, or what the expectations were coming into this season, you just look at what's happened through 30 games. There is no question that the Thunder are one of the best teams in the NBA. And... I don't see a reason that that can't continue. If the only reason and the only way that you can dissect this team and pick apart this team is due to them being young, that's not a valid reason to to deduct from this team. When the ball goes up, it's basketball. And the Thunder have three guys and and a great bench that you take in a basketball game over the opposition. And so, obviously, they're not going to be title favorites. Obviously, they're not going to to be expected to go win uh, anything significant this season. But when you're talking about the teams who deserve a seat at the table in that contender talk, in that contender conversation, Oklahoma City's right there. Without, Without cashing in anything, without doing anything else other than playing the way they've played this season. And that's a lot of fun. What a way to get to this point in time already. What a way to get to where we're at right now in Oklahoma City compared to where this thing was just two years ago. So that's a lot of fun. Also, a lot of fun is our good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel, they're great. And you should check them out today because Fandle.com slash locked on will let you go and make this $5 money line bet. And when you do, as a new customer, if you make that $5 money line bet, you can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place that bet. $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you make that $5 money line bet. It's awesome. Moneyline bet is just who you think will win. But you can also go there and find same-game parlays. You can find the spread, over-under, player props, all that fun stuff. Uh, You can even go there right now 
And, you know, listen, it's New Year's Day. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, by the way, college football playoffs is on. You can go and lay a little scratch down on some college football playoff games uh, or the most important game of the day, the Citrus Bowl, uh, where Tennessee is five and a half point favorites over Iowa. Nico is starting for Tennessee. Might want to throw a little scratch on the volunteers uh, responsibly at FanDuel. So check them out today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Now, the Thunder continued their tradition of playing on New Year's Eve, and it's worked out for them. You know, they have an absurdly good record uh, on New Year's Eve, and since they've you know been here and they've been doing this uh, every year, today was no different. They were able to blow out the Brooklyn Nets, but you know, you can look at this and say, what's the big deal, right? I mean, you, 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 you go and you, you pull up the box score and you pull up uh, ESPN.com and the Nets have lost, you know, three in a row and they're 15 and 18. Who cares that you beat the Brooklyn Nets? You know, it's just the sheer ability to flip the switch for me that stood out in this game. It's another thing that typically young teams have to learn and have to build toward, but that this team just has is an innate ability to do. Three lead changes, four times tied for this game. The Thunder once led by 21 points as their highest lead. The Nets never grew more than 10, which happened in the first quarter. So again, the first quarter comes and the Nets are blitzing the Nets. No pun intended. It's tough. Why are they named the Nets when, okay, never mind. And the Thunder, you know, are also a sluggish start. And then things changed. And, you know, part of what changed, honestly, in the second quarter is that the Nets missed some open looks. That's part of what's changed. But a big part was that that end of the third quarter, kind of that middle of the third quarter on, is the big difference for OKC. Yes, the Nets missed some open looks in the second quarter, which kind of tightened the gap and then allowed, uh, you know, for, for, for this to you know get to the point where we're about to talk about. But ultimately, the Nets shot, a lowly 38% from the floor, 21% from three. They did the, the only thing they did a great job on offense uh, consistently all game was limiting turnovers. And that's impressive first OKC for Brooklyn. OKC typically just grabs takeaways left, right, and center. Brooklyn only turned it over six times. Really impressive from them. But other than that, nothing was impressive for their offense outside of that first quarter. OKC, on the other hand, shot 54 from both the floor and from three. They really, really turned it on in a hurry, shot 80% from the charity stripe. Brooklyn was only a plus one on the rebound. So this is the first layer to the youngin. Given the way Brooklyn's made up, the Thunder are allowed to play however they want to. They can lean into playing small. They can play their typical rotation. They could have even thrown out Chet and Jay Will and, and, and potentially uh, had success with that as well. So the, the Nets are a team where they are not built whatsoever to out-muscle or out-rebound to a to an nth degree or anything OKC, right, as, as some other teams are. So that helps, you know, the Thunder in this category. Points in the paint were, were pretty similar. Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn was a plus four in that category. Brooklyn was, was still ahead in, in, in uh, second chance points, and the Thunder dominate fast break points. But the, the, the big thing here, this game from both sides – Right outside of that explosion offensively, the first quarter from Brooklyn, 
outside of that, both sides didn't really look like they wanted to be there. Now, you, you can say whatever you want to say. Part of it is New Year's Eve. Part of it is just, hey, this is game 30, right? You've been doing this for a while. I mean, to put it this into a little bit of perspective, uh, I know it's not apples to apples truly, but Case and Wallace on Tuesday will play his 32nd NBA game. And it's not as though these games have just been, oh, he checked in at the end. He's been playing some, some valuable and heavy rotational minutes uh, for, for the Thunder. And throughout that process, right, throughout that time, on Tuesday, he'll play in his 32nd game of playing heavy rotational minutes. He played 32 games total in college. So these type of games that lack energy and lack feel are going to happen. Typically, you see them the second night of back-to-back. You see them at the end of a long road trip for either team. Uh, but, uh, you know, but at the holidays, of course, throw, throw a wrench into this as well. So both teams lacked energy, and it was apparent. In the first quarter for the Thunder, in the second quarter, really for both teams for the most part. But the Thunder were able to snap out of it. The Thunder were able to kick it into gear and from the third quarter on play an, an excellent brand of basketball. It starts out with the third quarter, uh, the opening sequence, the opening play being a lob from J-Dub to Chet with a posterizing dunk to cap off the alley-oop. And it, and it evolves into that fourth quarter where the Thunder have wrestled back away the lead and they're up by, you know, five, six, seven, eight points, you know, something in that range, about five points is what they're up by at the end of the third quarter. And it's another test for the non-Shea minutes because we know that Shea is going to start on the bench to start the fourth quarter. And early on in the year, it was not great. It was you know an improvement because you have better players than last year and the year prior, but it was, still was not, it was not good at the beginning of the year. But recently, what's been the difference maker is that in the start of the fourth quarter, Chet and J-Dub spread their wings, gain control of the offense, and just thrive off of one another and can go create shots and can go create buckets. The step through from Chet, the step backs from J-Dub, uh, you know, and J-Dub probing the lane and, and, and finishing through traffic and all that J-Dub does. To be able to have a team in a rotation that gives you the luxury of having an MVP 30-point-per-game score, and over these last stretch of games, over these last 10 games, you've been able to afford him the luxury of not having to play catch up when he gets back in the game in the fourth quarter. As a matter of fact, for this last week, it's been very apparent that by the time Shea gets back against Minnesota, against New York, against Brooklyn, by the time Shea gets back, the game is over. It is a blowout. It is a double digit lead. And Shea's just coming in for the kill shot. And you know, you really could have Potentially in this game, especially against Brooklyn, you, you you potentially could have patchworked a way to not have Shea return at all if you didn't want to in this game. But you know he did return anyway, and the Thunder were able to just dominate uh, Brooklyn and dominate this game. And so Shea gets 24 points on 46% shooting. That, that, that's, a, that's a good basketball game. But by Shea's standards, you know you're you're elevated Shea on this pedestal of that's not a good Shea game. But it was everyone else that that was able to chip in. You know, Chet goes 18 and 10, three assists, two blocks on 70% shooting. Lou Dort shoots 70% from the floor, four triples on five attempts for Lou Dort, 18 points to go along with a block and the four rebounds and three assists. J-Dub has 17 points on 50% shooting with five assists, three rebounds. 
you know, and, and on the list, Casey Wallace, who had gone through that dry spell. And we talked about, uh, you know, kind of the season potentially, uh, you know, wearing on uh, Casey as, as it's tough for rookies, you know, typically they hit the rookie wall of, of playing so many games that you're not used to. This is the longest season. Your first season in, in the NBA is your longest basketball season ever because there's no other league that plays 82 games uh, as you're coming through the circuit. Uh, but Casey Wallace gets back on track. And, and you know, just, just, reading through the tea leaves again this is not from casing directly but like you know he's missing a little bit more in warm-ups and getting frustrated at times in warm-ups uh, whenever he's missing shots and you know eric Manderson, a great job of of you know keeping him keeping him uh, hot keeping him uh up tempo if you want to say upbeat if you want to say uh and it sh- and it paid off today you know it paid off today where he shoots two for four from three ships in 10 points off the bench and plays really good defense but like casing wallace is the chance to to explode onto the scene as he had Joe, two for two from three, seven points. That one rebound, though, you should go to the NBA.com box score, which is the superior box score. You should go there. And on the interactive box score, you can where you can you know pick a stat and watch it. Watch the one Isaiah Joe rebound. That is a grown man's rebound from Isaiah Joe. That is a grown man's rebound. And that type of stuff really sets the tone. And really it all culminates into why the Thunder are shaping up to be NBA contenders. And again, I, I fail to see how this thing fails, right? It's not as though it's, you know, it'd be different if, if Shay every single night is bailing out this team at the buzzer, right? It'd be different if, you know, Isaiah Joe was knocking down seven threes a game and you're just not going to do that over 82 games. You're not going to do that in the postseason. But in a game where SGA wasn't extraordinary, he was just a really good basketball player. He was an extraordinary MVP. You still blew out the Brooklyn Nets, who have some quality basketball players. Coming up, let's talk Josh Kitty, who I think uh, had an underrated stretch of games here. But we'll talk, you know, zoning in on his game against Brooklyn, and also some of your takeaways to end the year uh, here on Lockdown Thunder. But first. Want to say right now, but good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Check it out today, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. I love Prize Picks. It's available in Oklahoma. And what Prize Picks is, it's just you versus the projected numbers. That's it. So you just project will they score more or less than their projected numbers. That's it. That's all you got to do. And you can do cross sport entries. If you only like basketball, I'm with you. Just pick basketball. And I want to highlight the NBA specifically. Because if you listen to this show, you're obviously an NBA fan, obviously a Thunder fan, and you know what life's like in the NBA. You never know if, if he's going to play, if these superstars are going to play, they're questionable, what's going on. Price Picks offers you something that nobody else does. It's a reboot. So if you set your entry, uh, you know, when you're taking a break you know, at work, your lunch break at work, which we're going to get back into this week, you, you, if you set your entry there, and then, you know, Life, life happens, you know, you're heading home, you're dealing with your family, you're dealing with your obligations, and you forget to check, oh, who's in the lineup, who's out the lineup tonight. If you accidentally pick somebody who's out the lineup, Price Picks is going to help you reboot uh, that entry to make sure that you are protected and that you are having fun. So it's really cool. Uh, check it out today at prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA or use code LockedInNBA, your first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com, your first deposit match up to $100 with code locked on NBA. 
We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. Also check out the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel because Locked On has launched the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Check it out today. It's covering all the top stories in sports uh, with our local experts. Locked On plus our national show coverages uh, from each league. So check it out today on Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. Subscribe for that first ever 24-7 national streaming service. Now, Josh Giddy in this game. You check him out, and he has 20 points on 50% shooting, four for eight from three. You know, to go along with six rebounds and five assists and just two turnovers. I think that this game, what was impressive about it is beyond the 20 points on 50% shooting. Because let's be real. You know, even peak of his powers, even you know, uh, best role with OKC, the expectation night in and night out is not going to be 20 points on 50% shooting from Josh. What I was encouraged by from this game for Josh Giddy on the court as a basketball player was that it started out with a bang, right? He, he starts out, he's, he's heavily engaged defensively. He's filling the gaps well. Uh, you know, he, he creates a 24-second violation on the first possession against Dwayne Finney-Smith. The Nets, late in the shot clock, tried to attack Josh Giddy on the perimeter. Josh Giddy uses good footwork, stay in front of Dorian, and creates a 24-second call. Uh, you know, he, he was he was really playing well to begin. The floater was working again as it was wonderful in Denver. That was the one thing for Josh that was different in Denver was just that floater. It's a make or miss league, and that floater was making in Denver to really boost him up. So, you know, the first quarter was good from Josh Kitty, really good from Josh Kitty. And then Brooklyn, you know, tries what happened in Houston, uh, and they use Nick Claxton on him. They're just like, you know what? You know, Nick Claxton will shadow him out there on the perimeter. Uh, if Nick Claxton gets drawn into the paint and they kick it out to Josh Giddy for three, so what? What of it if that happens? And so that first quarter, it's five points. It's two assists on sixty uh, on 66% shooting, only one missed shot from Josh in that first quarter. That second quarter was a bit rough for Josh Giddy in those five minutes. You know, He missed a couple shots, had a turnover, uh, and just overall was not great in that second quarter, a minus, a minus one. And the spacing uh, not only gave him a turnover, but the poor spacing – uh, ended up causing a turnover for SGA and for some other players as well, just due to how Brooklyn was able to defend the Thunder when Josh was on the court. And you start to think to yourself, uh, maybe this is another game where Josh just can't stay out there, but he made the adjustment. And that's what's encouraging uh, from Josh is twofold. Number one is the most important part was he finally made an adjustment in game to a way that the defense was defending him and, and, to, and to try to maximize his play. But number two, and this has been a trend for the last five games, which is really set him apart, the quick decision-making. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you've got to just commit. Because when you start to stall, when you start to hesitate, especially with the spacing issues, especially with how defenses, you know, how, how players are defending Josh, that just ruins everything. So his, his innate decision-making and, and, and you know, quick decision-making uh, was a difference maker here. And in that third quarter, he went three for six, scored seven points, got four boards, and to assist and really help the Thunder out. And that trend continued in the fourth quarter. Again, the fourth quarter didn't really need it to. Seven points in the, in the third, eight points in the in the uh, fourth. The fourth quarter was, was kind of just a happy-go-lucky time for OKC for the majority of it. One of the best plays from Josh in this game, uh, as they start to use him more as a screener, they start to use him more um, you know, in that, in that role to kind of highlight him, was 
a situation where he's sitting at the corner and he's sitting on the deep corner. And of course, Brooklyn's going to sag off of him. But Josh is starting to pick up on switching that mindset. And I don't want to, I don't want to call him a different position than, than the guard that he's you know, playing as, but switching the mindset of offensively, you know, they're they're guarding me differently. So I've got to react differently. And instead of just sitting there on the corner and seeing if the ball sprays out to him, he watches as the Nets commit to a J-Dub drive. And now they're double teaming J-Dub in the paint near the restricted area. And Josh comes cutting behind the action where J-Dub is able to just dump off a pass to him for an easy layup because the defense is fully committed to, to double teaming J-Dub because they're comfortable giving up that Josh Giddy three. Well, them being comfortable giving up that Josh Giddy three, that's not the only shot wide open Josh Giddy can get. He can follow the action and get himself more wide open shots as he did on that sequence uh, against Brooklyn, as I hope that we will continue to see uh, him exploit if, if the defenses are going to defend him that way and use his defender to heavily uh, commit to a different player. You don't just got to sit there. You don't just got to sit there and, and hope for a three. Now, granted, this was a good three game from Josh, four for eight. But we know, like, and Josh knows, and the Thunder, everyone knows that four for eight is an anomaly. And that's not, a, you know, four for eight's a, a tough game for any shooter, but it's, it's an anomaly for Josh. So finding those other areas as a roller, as a cutter to breed success and to score the basketball, I, I think is very important. And I think that Josh uh, did a good job of that uh, in, in this game today. And so overall, yes, he had a tough spell in the middle. But the bookends were good from Josh, and and that is part of uh, progression. And SGA talked about it post game of, of of watching, and and it's been awesome to see Josh make the adjustments, and that they knew that a young player like Josh could make the adjustments. Got to be consistent. Got to got to do it for more games. All that disclaimering, and we're talking about Josh on the court, but you know we'll see what what it looks like against Boston, really tough team. You know as long as they play everyone on Tuesday, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good takeaways from the uh, from those of you who listen to the show. Uh, mainly, just talking about how good the Thunder are, and we've uh, we've made that uh, that that point thoroughly in this show. Uh, one takeaway was the Thunder not need to trade for Lori or make any trade at all. Just see what happens and then make moves in the off season. I agree. I mean, not any move at all. I think uh, gets conflated a little bit. You know, they don't need to make some big all-star trade in my opinion. Trading for Kelly Olynyk would be awesome. Trading for Royce O'Neal or Dwayne Finney Smith or anything like that would be awesome. Uh, but but uh, trading for some all-star I, I don't think is in the cards and shouldn't be in the cards for OKC. So when I say no no trade, I'm talking about the trade that'll really get the people going. You know, I'm talking about the trades that'll really get, make you water out the mouth. I don't, I don't foresee that happening, but a nice Kelly Olynyk pickup would be pretty fun. And, and you know, you know, to Sam Presley's credit, every year that they've had a chance to win basketball games, including last year, people freaked out at the deadline. Go back and listen to Lockdown Thunder at the trade deadline last year. People freaked out at the deadline. But he swapped Muscala and Baisley for picks in Dario Saric, who played better down the stretch than Muscala. As much as we love Muscala, as much as Muscala was a fantastic fan favorite and a fantastic player that, that invested in Oklahoma City, both community-wise and roster-wise, Dario Saric played a better role and played better for Oklahoma City last year. He improved the team last year. So I find it hard to believe that he'll just sit on his hands and do nothing, but I also find it hard to believe that he'll just go out there and trade for a superstar. So that's where I'm at on uh, the takeaways for a big trade. We've covered a lot of ground today. Thank you all for listening. Have a happy new year. Uh, the holiday schedule uh, was a bit rough, Rock on Thunder, but we're back every single day. 
starting New Year's Day all the way through the rest of the year. So it's been a lot of fun uh, to cover this team, a lot of fun to uh, do these shows for you. Glad you all are enjoying it. Hope you all are enjoying it. And we'll continue to try to improve every single day. So happy new year. Have a great time uh, on your last vestiges of your holiday break. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one.